As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Welcome, and you are listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. Today is 9-11-2020. Well, a president uh, has announced a plan to force immigrants to submit to eye scans and DNA tests. What do you think of that? We'd love to get your opinion. Why don't you send us an email, kl at kerrylutz.com. That's the email address. Don't forget, we're giving away a half ounce of gold. All you got to do is guess the price of gold on September 25th, 2020 at high noon. You got to get it in there 10 days early. Just go to the site, financialsurvivalnetwork.com slash contest. So attorney Steve Maggie is with us to discuss the viability, the legality of forcing immigrants to submit to eye scans and DNA tests. Steve, welcome back. Hey, so what of this proposal here? Well, it's something that's not new for the for those of us who live in the world of immigration because it's something that Customs and Border Protection announced three years ago as part of their eventual plan in terms of advancing and using more recent technologies, I guess, to minimize the number of people coming in illegally with criminal records or, or people coming, you know, maneuvering through the system uh, when they shouldn't be in the U.S. And and what what's done now is essentially what the government has done is saying that they're going outside in, that they want to apply this to everyone who's still not a U.S. citizen who's going through some sort of immigration process, even within the United States. So it, it applies to potentially a couple of million additional people, not just visitors. Mm-hmm. Will will they be able to use the results of the DNA test for criminal investigations? Well, that's a very good question. There's, it's not laid out yet. It's just I think what's what's uh, making people a little bit nervous is is the breadth of this um, that it includes technologies that have, that really we we were seeing in science fiction movies or Mission Impossible things like that ten years ago, and now they're saying could potentially be used, including DNA, but also palm prints and voice prints. 
uh, facial recognition software, retina scans, things that uh, we're starting to see in other countries just briefly, but it's, it's not common uh, and obviously would require a huge amount of funding, which I'm not sure logistically how that how, how that would be possible. But uh, in terms of DNA, I think what, what makes people nervous is what happens to all that information, that new information that goes into the system. And what about the U.S. citizens and green card holders who are sponsoring people, for example, and they need to show that they are uh, actually genetically matched, right? That they're actually eligible to sponsor through DNA. What happens with their DNA information? What happens to all this additional information that's now would now be in, in the U.S. government's hands? It'll probably be sold off to 23andMe, I would think, right? Or Ancestry.com, one of those. But, well, uh, <laughs> that's an interesting point because I think there's a, there's, there is some controversy now, right? There are a lot of cases that are being solved, people who were wrongfully convicted, whose DNA is now being pulled up through relatives of others detected in by those by those providers of those DNA services, and they're actually walking back some of these previous convictions. So that's a really great question. I, I don't know if there's any ancillary sort of side benefits that are that are considered here if it's really just part of the the president's platform of minimizing illegal immigration and fraud across the board down to the 0.01%, which would probably be possible if we could actually implement all these technologies. Well, one of the things we saw was these minors who are purportedly with their parent crossing the border and then we find out that uh, a large percentage of them were not even related to the person. It was human trafficking. So that's an area where this could really be helpful, don't you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I, I'm not one to um, to discredit technology. I think it could be extremely useful. And in that specific um, instance that you mentioned, it's true reuniting families as well, where where they can't match the the families to these children who are in these detention centers, but also making sure that there's not fraud being committed because unfortunately when people are desperate to get to the United States, especially when there's money involved, like you said, when it, 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 it enables people to do more trafficking of other human beings, we want to put a stop to that. And so it's logical that it would be used. I just, like I said earlier, I questioned how that's going to be possible across the board how that would be implemented and where the funding for that come will come from, especially now as part of the financial survival network, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how does the government even survive right now That's a good when they question. can't even put together a stimulus or, or give people that, that constant unemployment assistance, how, where's the money going to come for all this technology? It's going to be very costly. Yeah. Well, like they usually do here, Steve, they just print it up out of thin air and hope <laughs> for the best because our debt has gone from 21 trillion to 26 trillion in the blink of an eye with no end in sight. So they'll find a way, no doubt. But also these uh, immigrants, they don't really have any constitutional protections when they're entering the country, right? Only until they apply for, for asylum or they're applying to become a citizen. And even then, they don't really have any constitutional protections here. No, I think I think that that's true for the most part. There is the concept of due process, and that's why people who are detained up until last year, when they when the president instituted this policy of of catching and, and releasing or sending or sending everybody back as of March and sending everybody back 
uh, back to Mexico who was coming in illegally, people were put in detention centers and they were given their day in court to try to present their case. And so this is one of those situations where technology is ahead of our uh, ahead of the law. It's It's evolving faster than the law is evolving. And as you know, we have a very complex legal system with with federal law and state law, and they're always they're always butting heads. And so the question is, how far does the does the law actually cover the government's ability to do this? People are scared because this is a catch-all now. It's saying we will use all these technologies, and there's it's even inferred in this pr- proposal that they might use the information for sponsors to keep that in the in the database as well, which includes U.S. citizens. And green card holders. I'm sure U.S. citizens don't want to be having to do a, a you know, DNA tests and facial recognition and all these things to be in the system if they can not be in the system. Yeah, well, you and I, as lawyers, me as a former attorney, recovering attorney, how many times have you gotten fingerprinted in your life here, Steve? I mean, I must have been fingerprinted over half a dozen times during the course of things, even to get as much as a real estate license. I think to get a uh, hairdresser's license in New York State, you got to get printed, right? FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Arcana Corporation is on the verge of bringing the world's highest grade silver mine into production. The Revenue Virginius Mine in Colorado has proven improbable silver reserves grading nearly 37 ounces per ton silver with an all-in sustaining production cost of only US $8 per ounce of silver. The mine is fully permitted with infrastructure already in place and the company has announced they plan to commence production in 2020. Achieving successful production usually results in a significant upward share price re-rating on the Lasan curve. Arcana trades under the ticker AUN in Toronto and AUNFF in New York. To learn more, go to arcana.com. That's A-U-R-C-A-N-A.com. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I personally don't have an issue with this. I, I question how practical it might be in terms of its implementation and, and the, the actual funding behind it. But I don't think that it's beyond the scope of, of what's reasonable if the, if the goal, the end goal is to minimize illegal immigration and fraud down to a bare minimum. I think that that's a great idea. That's a great uh, goal to have. I just question what happens with all this additional information. Where does it go? You made a joke about that it might be sold off, but that's a little frightening. There's always a little bit of, of, of truth in every stereotype and in every every mischaracterization and, and, and fear and all that. And that, that could be the case here. I think that's what people are, are most worried about. Exactly. For good reason. Well, just yesterday, I read an article that the government was buying data. I don't remember if it, which department it was, if it was ICE, but they were buying data from private data collectors to use in law enforcement activities that they had trouble or were prohibited from getting the data themselves. And once the government gets your data in their hands, you you just know it's going to be disseminated. One thing I will say, overall, the IRS does a fairly good job of not to disseminating the data, but we've seen a lot of problems with that recently. We've seen where their systems have been hacked and major amounts of data have fallen into the wrong hands. We've seen it with the federal government's Office of Personnel Management, where China evidently grabbed uh, gigabytes and gigabytes, maybe terabytes of data on every federal employee in the country. 
So wow. to trust the government with uh, your data, now granted, um, you know, they might not be entitled to as many protections as you and I were already being citizens in the country, but I think it's a basic human right to, to everybody. Maybe it, if it's not, it should be that your data should be secure by any entity that takes it into their possession and, and really not disseminated. We know, we know from uh, Snowden what happens to all your emails and your texts mm-hmm. and uh, every website that you've ever visited in your life. So to think that uh, somehow this will be different, why is this data different than all the rest, right? Agreed. And and this is the second red flag we've seen recently when the president passed the executive memorandum to say that he was going to try to exclude undocumented aliens who are physically in the U.S. from the census, and that he would do so by gathering information from other government agencies. It was very vaguely worded, but it was very frightening to think that he's essentially acknowledging the fact that there are a lot of government agencies that collect data a little bit here, a little bit there, and that they could pull those together and build an entire file on someone who hasn't even exactly. identified themselves. That means that the, the information's out there and the resources to pull that data are there, which means the more data that's collected through all these different methods that we don't use yet, like voice prints and palm prints and uh, iris scans, things that, that have not, that's just going to multiply the amount of data that's available and that's also at risk. And, you know, you get a face scan every time you open up your iPhone now or your Android and all that data goes someplace and really minimal safeguards. Europe has made faint efforts to protect your data, but even Europe uh, really doesn't know what they're doing. The the vast amount of data that is out there about you and I, Steve, it's 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 just stupefying, like terabytes of data on gigabytes of data on every individual. And if you're a really busy person like you and I probably terabytes out there and, and it's all getting scanned and then they're figuring out what they should sell you and what you need. And, uh, you know, are you a bad person? You know, that that's the next thing is pre-crimes, right? Uh, that movie minority report was, was maybe yeah, yeah. a little ahead of its time here. Yeah, they're trying to anticipate before it happens based on data, right? And yeah, and I punishing people, you. <laughs> and punishing people really you. Got scared, of course. <laughs> well, in this, I think where it's crossed the line here in terms of what's inferred by the language of this proposal is that anybody who's any immigrant who's involved in a process that's sponsored by a U.S. citizen or, or a green card holder, they will also be justifying bringing in the data and gathering more data on those green card holders and U.S. citizens. And I'm sure a lot of people would not be happy about that. Yeah. And just with your armed with your email address or your phone number, I can find out everything in the world about you just on the Internet. I don't even have to go to LexisNexis, which LexisNexis, nobody would even believe how much data they have on all of us. And I was I watched this from the beginning and it was great as an attorney because you needed that data. But then knowing that uh, a lot of people are using that data who really shouldn't be. It's a little bit, it's cause for a lot of concern. And maybe this points up the need, Steve, for a real detailed policy on what data they can keep on you, what they can't, what has to be done with it, how it's protected. 
maybe we really need to rethink all of this because it's getting out of control. Very true. I think the fact that this was in a proposal three years ago that came out uh, by Customs and Border Protection means that they're probably already starting to implement this or they're one button's push away from being able to implement some of these, which means they already know what kind of data they'll be collecting that they don't already have and they have plans to use it. And that's frightening. I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. We need to know what the protections are and how far they can go with it in order to say this is okay with us because in principle, it's great if it's only used for the purposes of minimizing fraud and, and illegal immigration. I, I'm completely on board with that. Passing that point, I think, is where it gets dangerous and a lot of people wouldn't be on board. Yeah, I'll give you a great example. A couple of years ago, I read that the IRS was using all of these consumer databases to further calculate somebody's spending to see whether or not they're telling the truth on their tax returns, which one really has nothing to do with the other. Might have had a lot of cash saved up over the years. You're spending cash or you're using credit cards and you have savings, but the government uh, now can tap into these consumer databases, see, oh, you know, you bought a lot, you bought a bunch of cars recently. Where'd all that money come from? And then direct the IRS to audit it. And this is like never the way the system was designed to operate. So I guess the moral of the story is if the accumulation and tabulation of this data can be abused, it's going to be abused. I, I agree with you. It, it, it's, with your example, I guess it's interesting to note that nobody seems to be trusted. Even U.S. citizens are, yeah. are trusted in, in, what, in the information that we do and whether it's truthful or not. Yeah. Hey, that's a great point. And I think we got to go at that. Just tell us, Steve, where do we find you? How do we connect with you on the web? Uh, we have a website. It's www.smalawyers with an S.com. And my email is smaggi at smalawyers.com. I'm happy to take any immigration questions anybody might have. Excellent. We appreciate you coming on. Any questions or comments for Steve, myself, what your thoughts are about the ever increasing intrusiveness of data collection? whether it's from DNA, prints, or God knows what other data they have, just email us, kl at kerryletz.com. Enter the contest, financialsurvivalnetwork.com slash contest. Steve, been a pleasure. We'll talk to you again real soon. Always a pleasure, Kerry. Take care. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.